Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Welcome back to the second to last leg of our journey here on our teacher summer road trip. We have covered everything from engaging students to reading and writing and everything in between. And I hope that you've enjoyed this curated playlist of our past episodes from this past school year. If you're just joining us here for this summer road trip, we've got all the playlists from the past weeks over at classroomnook.com forward slash summer road trip. It's there where you can listen to all the episodes that we've done this summer, as well as sign up to be a part of the giveaways and all the freebies that have gone along with each week's theme. So make sure you go over there, sign up and check it out. Again, that's classroomnook.com forward slash summer road trip. All right, in this second to last leg of the journey, we're talking about technology in the classroom. If there was ever a year where technology likely sent us running for the hills, it was this past year. A lot of you I know bounced back and forth between virtual and in-person and back again into virtual all year long. So you had your fair share of classroom technology. And so we want to set ourselves up for success for years to come, no matter what the circumstance, to be successful using technology in the classroom. So I've curated some clips from some past episodes that will help you do just that. And in this first episode, we are going to be going back to episode 38, where I gave you some tips for using technology in the classroom. And these are just some generic tips that will work for you no matter what kind of technology you are using. Let's listen in. My third tip is to create password cards for each student. Many websites and software programs that students use require a password. You know, websites like BrainPop. Keep all student passwords that students are going to be using in one easy place for easy access. If each student in your classroom has a unique password for whatever website you're using, create a card that they can keep at their desks or another safe place where they can pull it out when they need it. If it's a password that is the same for all students, put it somewhere on the wall in your classroom near the computers or the digital devices that they're going to be using so that they can refer to it when they need it. If you are teaching virtually, create one Google slide or one Google Doc or even a PDF that you link up to in Google Classroom that has a list of all their passwords and login information on one simple click. It's all in one place, easy for them to access. My next tip is to use bookmarks, QR codes, and short links. Let me go through each one of these with you separately. We have all experienced the frustration of typing in a web address only to find that we've missed a letter or a number somewhere in the web address and that sends us to a site not found error. This mistake is almost a given if you rely on students to type in a web address. That's where bookmarks, QR codes, and short links can help. If your student uses the same website over and over, consider bookmarking it in a browser toolbar so that your students just have to click on that bookmark shortcut. Or like I mentioned in the last tip, create a Google Doc or a Google Slide with all of the websites that students are gonna be using on a regular basis. 
If students are only using a site for a one-time use, you can create a QR code or a short link instead to help them easily access the site. If you've ever used one of my Linktivity interactive digital learning guides, I provide QR codes that students can scan or a short link that they can type into any internet browser that will easily and quickly pull up that Linktivity so that they don't have to go looking for it or type in a really long web address. You can create a QR code or a short link real simply using some online tools. I will link to both of the tools that I use in the show notes. The first one to create a QR code is called QR Code Generator. And you simply copy and paste the site that you want students to access and you paste it into their QR code generator and it creates the QR code for you that you can either copy and paste somewhere or even print out for them. If you would rather have your students type in a short link instead of using a QR code scanner, you can do one of two things. You can use a service called bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, or tiny URL. And I will link to both of these in the show notes, but both of them allow you to take a really long web address and shorten it into only a few characters that students can easily type in. And again, I do this every time I create a new Linktivity where students can just type in something that makes a whole lot more sense, a short word, maybe a couple numbers or a dash that they can easily do into any internet browser so that they don't make mistakes and not be able to pull up the web address that they're looking for. So again, bookmark those websites that students are going to use often or create a Google Slides or a Google Doc that they can click on to specific websites for or use QR codes and short links to make easy access for those one-time use activities that you want students to be able to access easily. This next tip is going to be most suited if you are working in an in-person classroom setting. But for those of my teachers who are virtual right now, just tuck this idea away for later. But I suggest when you're using technology in your classroom to have a student tech expert. You are only one person. You can't answer all the questions and help with all the things all the time. And the good news is you don't have to. You can uh, appoint several tech savvy students to become your tech experts and help answer any basic tech questions from their classmates. You can even give them a special badge so that other students can easily identify them. And by badge, I mean a simple cardstock print off that says, ask me, I'm the tech expert. And when a student needs a help, instead of coming to you first, they can reach out to their classmates who are tech experts to help them troubleshoot anything that they may be having issues with. And it could be a big help and sanity saver for you. Of course, you might need to provide a little quote unquote training for these tech experts, but most of your students would be thrilled to be called a tech expert and learn a few skills that they need to then help their other classmates with. Now, when it comes to my own woes with technology, boy, I have had a few this year. If you've been with me for a while, you know that one of my huge passion projects is creating Linktivity Interactive Learning Guides which are digital guides that teach a specific content. And students open up a Linktivity in any internet browser and they can learn about states of matter or measurement conversions or whatever. And inside the Linktivity, students watch videos, they read text, or they can have the text read to them. They go to places like Google Earth where they can explore a place if that's what's being talked about in the Linktivity. There's so many elements and interactive features inside the Linktivity. There's even drag and drop knowledge checks at the end of many of the Linktivities for students to check their understandings. 
So there are a lot of moving parts in Linktivities, and I have gotten some amazing feedback from teachers about what works, what doesn't work, what would be better, what would help them reach the needs of their students even more. And I have gone back to the drawing board so many times with Linktivities to try to make them better. And this year, Linktivities went through a huge change. I found a brand new program to host these Linktivities on that allow me to provide so many supporting features for students, including having the text read to them, which was a huge request from a lot of teachers. So this next clip comes from a bonus episode that I did a few months back where I was sharing about some of the updates that I have made to Linktivities. And Linktivities have come to teachers at just the right time because they can be used in person or virtually with students at home. So they were just a great technology tool for students to use. Check out the clip. So behind the scenes here, I have been searching high and low and I've been pulling my hair out trying to find a way to get audio accessibility for everyone because I do know how important it is. But the search is over. I found an amazing program that not only allows me to add audio, but it also means that there is only the need for one version of a Linktivity for students to access. There's no PowerPoint versus PDF versus Google Slides version. It's one single link that you will now have to share with your students and they will have access to a Linktivity which they can use or not use the audio feature for. And you know what? This new software that I'm using is even better than Google Slides or PowerPoint. It is so much better. In addition to being able to add audio, I can add a ton more interactive features like drag and drop knowledge checks at the end of the Linktivity, more animation to make the Linktivities more engaging. It is so much better. So in all the heartache and frustration in trying to make Google Slides and PowerPoint work, I found an even better system and I cannot wait to share it with you. This really is a huge update. It means that you can now support your English language language learners or your struggling readers with the support that they need to be successful. It means that your students will be able to be even more independent when using Linktivities either in the classroom or at home. It means that Linktivities have never been so interactive, so engaging, and so accessible for all. And I am so excited to finally share this update with you. In these last two clips, I am talking about how technology can support you, the teacher, in staying organized and on top of everything that you need to keep track of in the classroom. This first clip comes from episode 12, where I talk about taking the digital detox. Now is the time to get your digital files in order, especially in the summer before you start a new school year. It's always a great time to get yourself set up for success for the coming school year. So in this first clip, I'm talking about how you can do just that. So stay with me here. I'm going to give you some actionable tips and then I'm going to trust that you are going to go to your computer and get organizing. Today is your day to do the desktop detox. And by that, I mean it's time to strip down your desktop or wherever you're storing your computer files to its bare bones and build it back up again file by file. I know this sounds daunting, but I promise it's going to be worth it and I'm going to give you three steps to get you there. All right, you on board? Let's get started. The first step is to start from scratch. It all begins by creating one master folder that will house all of your teaching files. So you should be able to have one folder on your desktop that you can click on where you'll have all files 
together and organize perfectly. For example, I taught third grade one year and I taught fourth grade for the rest of my years. So I had one master folder for fourth grade and I had one master folder for third grade. And inside those files were subfolders that broke down all of my grade level related resources into categories. So let me show you what I mean. Inside my third grade folder were subfolders for each subject that I would teach. So I had a folder for reading, a folder for science, a folder for math and social studies and so on. If you teach multiple subjects, you need a folder for each subject. You can even have a specific folder for holidays or specific folders to house all your notes and resources on conferences or your classroom decor resources. Everything has to have a category that they fit into and then that category becomes a subfolder in your master folder. So in this first step, you're starting broad and then we're going to work our way towards being more specific. It's not enough just to have a science folder and then to throw all your science resources and files into that folder because what we want to avoid is having our electricity activity next to our solar system activity because it's just going to make it that much harder to find exactly what we need when we need it. So if we organize by subject, then we can break it down even further into units and topics. So inside my science subfolder, I will also have another folder for electricity and all of my resources that I use to teach electricity go there. And then I'll have a folder for solar system and all the resources that I use to teach solar system are going to go in there. So it may seem like you're doing a lot of clicking around as you go deeper into the folders. That's okay because at least you know exactly where you need to go and you're not having to weed through things that you know are not even related to what you're looking for. The more specific and the more you can break it down, the better. For example, in your reading folder, you might have subfolders that are skills, novel units, centers, author studies, guided reading. Those are your sub subfolders, but even your sub subfolders can have folders inside of them. So for example, your skills folder, maybe you break that even further down into types of sentences, context clues, author's purpose, and so on. So if you're following the flow here, let's back up. You start at third grade. Inside that third grade folder is reading. Inside that reading folder are skills. And inside the skills folder are other folders such as types of sentences and context clues, all broken down so it's super easy to find exactly what you need. Is this starting to sound like one of those Russian nesting dolls? If so, I think we're on the right track. Once you have built the framework for where you're going to be putting all your files, now it's time for step two, which I'm calling rename or remove. After you've got all your folders organized, you're ready to begin looking at the files that will go in them. If you've been teaching for a while, you most likely have a ton of computer files. These files can include Word documents, smart board or PowerPoint presentations, publisher documents, Excel documents, and whatever else you use to create your files. Some of these files may no longer be current or useful, but they're still there on your desktop or somewhere collecting dust. This might include old class lists, resources that you know are out of date, or anything else you know you will never use again. You need to get rid of it. Just delete it and get it out of your life. If you're not ready to commit to completely removing a specific file, but you don't know where to put it yet, create a folder for files that you aren't currently using, but you're also not ready to get rid of yet. 
This will keep your current and regularly used folders and files clear of clutter. After you've gotten rid of all your unused files, now it's time to take the remaining documents and put them where they belong. Make sure that each file has a clear name that makes it so obvious that you know what the file is without having to open it. If the current name is vague, you're going to want to rename it with a more clear title. So for example, if you have a multiplication file that you've called homework one, rename it with a more clear title such as homework one skip counting so that when you are looking for that file, you'll know exactly what it is just by looking at the title of the file. This will probably be the most time consuming part of this whole process. So break it up into a couple days so that you don't feel overwhelmed or get burned out. Break it up into some chunks so that it feels doable. So I told you that I had another clip here for you, but it's actually a video that I want to send you to to watch. It's all about how to use Google Calendar for teachers. You have meetings to keep track of and even your curriculum planning. It can all be organized and kept track of inside of Google Calendar. It is one of my favorite tools to organizing my schedule and making sure that my to-do list gets done and that I never am surprised by something coming up in my calendar. So if you have ever felt like you've got post-it notes everywhere and your to-do list scattered all over your desk at school or at home, this is the video that you'll wanna watch to put all of that scatterbrain thinking and planning and organizing in one place. I know that teachers love their paper planners. I used to love my paper planner, but boy, once I switched over to the Google Calendar system, everything became way more streamlined and way more organized. So to watch that video, you're going to head to the show notes at classroomnook.com forward slash podcast forward slash 79. And I will have it linked up there for you. I promise it'll be worth your time and it will help you to get organized for this coming school year. You'll never again wonder what unit is coming up in science or social studies or when you have that parent teacher conference because it's all going to be inside of Google Calendar. So make sure you watch that video before you start the next school year. All right, let's wrap this up. We have talked about some tips and strategies for using classroom technology successfully. And if you want to listen to the full episode of any of the clips that I shared, make sure you head over to the show notes at classroomnook.com forward slash podcast forward slash 79. And I'll have the full playlist there for you for your listening pleasure. All right, that's all I have for you today. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a good start to your week. And I will be back again next week with our last leg of the journey here on this summer teacher road trip. It's been so fun to go back and visit some of these destinations, aka episodes from this past school year. So I can't wait to wrap up this journey with you next week. Bye for now.